Hey guys, my name is Ada Grace and you're watching the Black Girl Talks About podcast where I talk about pop culture and all the hits and misses in between. So this week I'm going to talk about the versus battle between Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight. But before I do that, I have to talk about something I don't like that much and that's the enemies of progress. And this is the behaviors that create stumbling blocks on the road to freedom for Black people. So I watched AOC play Among Us and I'm going to talk about the fact that I only watched AOC stream. Even though AOC and Ilhan Omar were both on the Twitch stream, I was only able to watch AOC stream. I'll talk about why this is the case, but first let's talk about what I did like about this game, about this series. Because I did spend like two hours of my life watching this and I still haven't finished it. And I will, because I enjoy it overall, but let's talk about what I liked first. So I liked watching her evolve as a player. Like at, like at first she's nervous, doesn't know what to do, and she still doesn't know what to do. But you see her kind of get familiar with the world and how to do certain things. Like she's not great at killing people, but she's great at completing her task. I love that she's devoted to completing her task. I love that she kind of understands the lingo of the game. She learns how venting works. We'll talk about that and what I didn't like. But she understands how venting works. She learns how doors work. And she's like kind of learning that language of like, she starts the first round saying, I think this person is a little suspicious. And she's like, that person sus. Unfortunately, the um, investment in teaching AOC, I felt like had the wrong result or was directed towards the wrong person. But we'll get to that. I, I did enjoy like seeing her grow as a player overall. I thought that was cute. And I, what else was I thought was cute was AOC and Ilhan's friendship. Um, Ilhan mentioned that AOC texted her like, I'm nervous about the game. Like, what if I don't do well? You can really see that like AOC is someone dedicated to excellence. That's why she like cares so much about completing her task, even though she's like dead and it's just a game. Like she's just like, I gotta complete these tasks. Like I'm falling behind. Even like when she's supposed to be solving who killed her, like she's more focused on completing these tasks. Maybe she just figured out like, I'm not gonna know who killed the person. And I'm not really not gonna figure this out. Let me just do what like mind the business that pays me. So maybe it's that. But I did like kind of, I'm someone that really likes admin work. Like I love creating a spreadsheet. I love like managing accounts. Like I'm an accountant, so that's part of it. But I just like the admin side of any project. So I did kind of relate to her feeling like, I gotta do all my tasks. I gotta check my boxes. So I appreciate that, appreciated that and I felt seen. But then Ilhan like refers to AOC throughout as Alex. And I thought that was really cute. Cause like, I didn't realize any, like her name's Alexandria, but just like, it's different from like the AOC that we all know. So you can really feel like they have their own special bond. But about this bond. So here's what I didn't like. I didn't like that this felt like a very familiar dynamic. I feel like AOC was giving me white woman energy, maybe because my only interracial friendships have been with white women mostly like the only deep ones I've had, it's giving me white friend, black friend energy during this. And maybe I'm, no, I won't even just, I feel like my feelings are valid. I didn't like it and I'll tell you why. This is what I didn't like. So first round, Ilhan skips voting for Alex even though like everyone else suspects her. And AOC's like, this is my ride or die, which we all thought in the comments, like this is, she's a congresswoman. At the end of the day, like she's also like, 
AOC, like kind of a Jenny from the block kind of thing. So it's like, okay, fun. You know, she's one of us. And then Ilhan and Alex accuse each other in the second round. And that was kind of cute because none of them know how doors work until we learn. I haven't played Among Us, but apparently like a door is locked. When like someone locks it, it's usually like the imposter, like usually like something suspicious or maybe sus, as they say in the game, is going on. So like a door being locked or is sus. So that was kind of funny. Like they didn't understand how doors work. So they were both like, no, it was you. No, it was you. Wait, how do doors work again? And everyone has to explain to them. That was funny. But then in the third round, you, I just saw that AOC will not let Ilhan be great. Ilhan really got the black friend treatment to me. So she suspected Ilhan because she heard her laugh. Girl, you've been laughing this whole live. And just because Ilhan doesn't know how to mute her microphone and has a laugh that really was giving me bubbling brook, was giving me like delightful spring. AOC's like, this is a maniacal laugh. Let me call an emergency meeting. An emergency meeting because Ilhan doesn't know how to mute her microphone. Why? Why? That's it. That's really it. And man, like, is she laughing because she killed someone? Like, you didn't laugh when you were killing someone. Like, maybe she's laughing at herself because she doesn't know how this game works. Like, why didn't we think this through and just be like, I really would have liked the strategy of the congresswoman being like, let's let the gamers, gamers scramble. I'm never going to vote for you, even if you did it. I'm just going to let these gamers be dazed and confused. Like, I would have liked that energy, that like kind of survivor, survivor alliance. That would have been fun. Like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to vote for you. I would have appreciated that, but that's not what we're getting in this game. So I thought that emergency meeting was unnecessary. And then she called an emergency meeting on Ilhan again because she thinks she saw her vent. She thinks she saw her vent. Even when the gamers tell her she did not, Ilhan did not actually vent, she's still like, well, I don't know, like, Wait, what? Like she's playing confused. But when you do white woman things, you get white woman prizes. So now everyone's suspecting Ilhan, who's the only black woman on the stream. And of course, because like their queen AOC, and I'll talk about like why AOC is like the popular girl of the bunch is suspicious. Like they're all like kind of gathering around her and voting for Ilhan. And it turned out like Ilhan was an imposter, but it was just like, this was unnecessary. Like I did not like the way they got to this conclusion. It was, cause at the end of the day, Ilhan didn't even vent. Like in AOC asked her and she's like, no, cause she didn't know how. Like none of them actually know how to vent. This is both their first time playing this game. And you just call like, you just called a meeting. You just call the cops on this girl for no reason. Like, and then like, I think it was Jack, Jack, Jack Decepticeye that called AOC my queen. I was like, okay, like this is too much. And then he just voted for Ilhan because AOC was suspicious. Really, really like think it through. Like if she didn't vet, she may have not done anything. But I was like, what did you think you would have? When you called these people to vote and you know all these people are following you on Instagram, following you on Twitter. They're all like like your fans mainly. Like what did you think you like would happen when you say like, I don't know, like I found this girl to be suspicious. Like what did you think would happen? And like even though like Toast was 
one of the imposters twice. And he got less suspicion than Ilhan, who was an imposter twice. Like no one, like he was playing people, he was trolling people all throughout the game, but like no one suspecting the Asian man over here telling people lies, making up rules like there's three imposters in the third round trying to confuse Ilhan and Isra. But then Ilhan is out here like cutting people down. Like she is handling her business. She is playing this game. She is being active. She's being part of the conversation just like Toast is. And maybe she's playing offense. Like it's a different strategy because this is a game. And then you guys are treating her like she's Colombiana. And just like constantly on high alert that she could be the imposter to the point that you AOC, you her friend, like you that's the other congresswoman in this game, you that's the more popular congresswoman in this game, have to call an emergency meeting twice. Like it doesn't make sense to me. And let's talk about the fact that AOC and that, well, Ilhan is the only black one, but both of, both of these women are the only melanated woman of color, black and brown women. I just noticed like there was no other melanated woman around. All we have is MXM Toon, Maya, is half Asian and white passing, and that's about it. And I did notice that there was three Asian identifying people in the stream, two of which are white passing, but see how they were like Power Rangers and assembled? I wish that AOC and Ilhan had both taken opportunities to call the troops, to get the girls together and really make this a chance to just like have more representation in gaming. I wish that had been in a thought, a thought in their mind instead of like, I'm just so glad to be invited. I really felt like that was a spirit. Like, I'm just so glad I'm here. I'm just so surprised that so many people are showing up. Instead of being like, I'm AOC. I am the, you know, HBIC of the squad. Like, people care about me. When I went on Stephen Colbert's show, I got a standing ovation. So the Democratic centrists and the in the party might disrespect me and give me, you know, two seconds to talk during the convention, even though like I'm one of the girls that people want to see, but on, on the internet, on Twitch, to the young people I'm trying to get to the vote, they're gonna listen to me more than they're gonna listen to y'all. And people are here to watch me stream. And so I would like to be able to see other girls like me playing video games too. Like, I wish that they, like, she had, like, recognized her power in that moment and just, like, created an even bigger moment, created an opportunity for, like, other women instead of just being, like, I'm so glad I'm the one. I'm so glad you guys invited me. Like, of course, like, you're, and you're giving, like, more eyes on them. I didn't know who a lot of these people were before before this, I'm not a gamer person. I'm sure there are other people that are fans of yours that don't know much about video games. And now like, who did you introduce us to? Like they're nice and all, but in this moment, in this moment where like Black Lives Matter and that always includes all the, all the brown people as well, like you could have used this moment to bring in other people and have and bring eyes to other people's channels that aren't less established and have smaller platforms because the racism and sexism of gaming leads a lot of these chan larger, larger channels to belong to white and white passing men. Like, why was that not a priority? That just, that's just what's really frustrating to me. And I bet if they're gonna do it again, 
they're gonna they're gonna think about that and it's just like why are black women always an afterthought when we're the first ones to support you like make it make sense and it's funny in the way it isn't funny it's tiring in the way that this is always happening like what is it like and it's not us it's y'all it's not us it's y'all saying you know as a woman of color as a black woman and getting us all riled up and ready to support. And then like, you don't even see the value in us, but we're the ones that look like you. So it's just like, make it make sense. That was just very annoying to me. So let's move on. And then the second thing is like, it's not like there weren't open slots. There are a bunch of non-Americans here. Why are they here? Like I get the election will like indirectly affect them, but maybe we should have invited like black and brown women whose lives are literally at stake with this election, who will be directly infected, black and brown women in America. And of course, and I've done this before on an episode that I, and I might just re-release it again, where I go on Google and have to do your job for you and find black women that are doing this because it's always the talent isn't here or we didn't, like, why didn't you think of it? Well, now that you established that you didn't think it through, let me make sure there are candidates in case you finally like have a have a thought about us. Finally, think about us for once. So, there were at least several slots that were available throughout the stream. Let's start with the non-Americans. So, why are they here? Jap Septikai is Irish. He doesn't live in America, and he just did a live stream with PewDiePie. Like this is this is the energy we're bringing. And then the Canadians who live in LA are they citizens? So we have disguised toast, aka Jeremy Wang. And Jack Septicaya Sean, if you want to know these people's real names. So, and then we have Pokemon. Emaine, I think that's how you say her name, who doesn't quote and unquote think she's allowed to vote in the US. So you're telling young people to set up their voting plan, and one of the people you're streaming with does not even know whether she can vote here or not. Like, you would think that's a priority, right? And the last time she voted was in college. So I don't know if she's 24 turning 25. Like maybe this could have been the time she voted. And I know like the whole citizenship thing is a very variable road for everyone. But you would think that like, and I'm trying to talk about this with the screening process, that you would make sure, okay, does everyone I'm streaming with have a voting plan? Does everyone I'm streaming with know if they can vote and know for sure? But AOC just hears Pokemon say like, Oh, I don't think I can vote, even though I last voted like three to four years ago. And just says like, oh, okay, because she was asking her how voting in Canada works. Why do we need to know about voting in Canada? Why is there a Canadian on the stream when we could have Americans talk about the American voting process, talk about their journey to vote, maybe even talk about voter suppression because we'd have more people, we'd have more women of color, black and brown women on this call, maybe saying like, hey, in my state, this is what we're doing, this is what we're voting for, we're voting for, you know, breaking down gerrymandering. We're voting for creating more poll, like polling places. Like this is the stuff we could have talked about, but who are you gonna talk about it with? No, really, who's experiencing it on this call? No, really, like, oh, like I was typing this and I was fine, but now I'm talking about it and I'm a little less fine, but let's go on to the screening process. So. Here's the screening process that I would have used to select the Twitch people or YouTube people that I'm gonna be playing this game with. 
Are you a black or brown woman of color who didn't know that she should be using sunscreen because you may not get sunburnt, but you could get skin cancer? Like, are we, you know, like, what is this situation looking like? Do you live in America? Can you vote in America? If this is not the first election in which you're qualified to vote, have you had a history of voting at least at the federal level? Who did you vote for in 2016? Are you voting blue down the ballot? And have you registered to vote? Have, what is your voting plan? That Pokemon comment just got me. Like it was just a small moment that, you know those small moments that happen to you and you just like play them over and over in your mind till it like becomes like a less small moment and then you're just like, hmm, that was my hmm. Because as I said before, like people would have watched this Twitch stream no matter who was playing because of AOC. So AOC, as I mentioned before, she's a top girl of the squad. In my mind, it's AOC, then Ayana, then Ilhan, then Rashida. Like I just learned that Rashida was part of the squad today. Like I'm not, I'm not into politics as much as I should be probably. Like need to watch the news more. I don't know. I'm stressed enough. Maybe I don't. I just don't hear from Rashida that often. And every report, everything, everything on my recommended on YouTube after playing, after watching AOC stream was AOC's Twitch stream. Everyone was saving her Twitch stream. Everyone was talking about it as if it was her Twitch stream and just did not feel to mention that Ilham was also there in the title. I just thought that was funny. And I couldn't find a saved copy of Ilhan Street. So please send me a link because I wanted to watch, I wanted to watch her taking names. I thought she, like she was killing it at the game. Like she was really like on the offense, like getting on top of her story, really like sending people, ejecting people from the ship because no one wanted to suspect her. Like I thought she was doing a great job that it was great gameplay. And now there's 14 minutes of it on YouTube. So I'm linking the one I have, but if you have a longer one, let me know. And I just feel like Johan's team needs to do better. Like you should have anticipated that no one's saving the stream because they're racist. Like Johan's a black congresswoman, like, and she's not Ayana. Like people are not, even other black people are not checking for Ilhan Omar the same way they're checking for Ayana Presley. Like I was one of them until I saw her on the stream and I was just like, I need to look into her more. But here's part of it. Like I will blame myself for not like really being about it. But also I listen to a lot of political podcasts and they're not calling Ilhan. In whose fault is that? Mine or yours? Ayanna Presley, like when they're wanting to hear about black issues, Ayanna's the girl, Ayanna's the one, and that can change. If you guys could like, cement the brand if you guys could do better like one the 14 minutes I saw like she had bad lighting and then I was just like is this like this youtuber's resolution I go to Ilhan's twitch stream it's bad lighting like you cannot see her and you it's not like you can't see her because of her brown skin that's racist you can't see her because she has bad lighting really so this is a historic stream. This is the first time two congresswomen have been on Twitch playing a video game like they're everyday people. It's like celebrities are one of us, but just like really relatable and really important. And it's, I don't have a stream saved anywhere. And what little I have, 
we can't even see the woman. I would like to see her laugh. I would like to see her commentary throughout the whole thing, not saved anywhere. Like you didn't think it through. You didn't think like, okay, like this is the vision we have for this Congresswoman. This is the change that she can affect. She is a black Muslim woman who was voted into Congress from Minnesota. Like she needs to be on these shows. She needs to be talking to these people. Like let's think it through. Like, and I just feel like Ilhan just needs like a better team. If black women were on her team, I just don't anticipate that there's a lot of, there's like a lot of black women in the think tank. Like they might be in marketing. They might be posting Instagram pictures. They might be in human resources. They might be the people greeting you out the door, but the people that are still sitting with Ilhan in these meetings, the people that are answering emails on her behalf, the people that are taking calls, like those people need to be black women because I just don't think black women would play her like this. They would say, we can't see you, like we need to get a light. Hold on for a moment, Ilhan will be back. She's gonna get a light so that you can see her. Hold on for a moment, let me go to Twitter where the black people are and let them know that Ilhan is on Twitter. Maybe say like some, like maybe retweet some funny lines she has while she's streaming, like a live tweet with fans and they can ask her questions. Like, I just, it's this kind of stuff that makes your brand, especially when you know that you're, and it's also like knowing the climate too. Like vision has to start with a sense of reality. Like, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not seeing, maybe on my end of Twitter, it's not like Ilhan Omar high. Like, I just feel like she's a black woman. She's a black Muslim woman. Like people are not checking for her the way they should. Like you have to make, like she needs to make her own market. And I would love if like, when I look her up on, on YouTube, I'm hearing like more than like, I'm an immigrant and I'm a refugee. Like, I feel like there's a lot more things that she can talk about than just like replying to Trump. Like she can talk about herself and her vision and what she wants to bring. And she can do that with people that can ask better questions, not just like white correspondence all the time. But you have to like sell those, you have to like sell her to those guests. You have to be able to create a space or even invite them to like, I, I would want her to stream again so I, I can see it and that something can be saved. I thought it would have been cuter to have a mother-daughter stream that's separate. I like the kind of Gilmore Girls vibe they're giving me, but like hopefully less problematic. So I would want to see that more. Of course, like respecting Israel's space, she is underage and she's like a congresswoman's daughter, so we want to respect her privacy, but I want to see that as a separate thing. I didn't really think that she needed to be on this stream, but that's just me. And just maybe invite like other guests, like I'm sensing in my spirit, like a Hassan Minhaj collab, because like I think that he's probably one of the more popular Muslim creatives right now. I think that would be a great audience to like a great person to bring in and just be like, this is my story, this is my experience as a Muslim woman. Like Hassan mentioned when he was talking about, sorry, Black Lives Matter, but like the tension that, you know, that's had between like Arab Muslims or like Indian Muslims and like black Muslims. Like I'd love to hear more about that and what she's doing to like bring awareness for black immigrants. But I feel like that's not talked about very often. I'd wanna hear that kind of stuff. And I just wanna see like, sit down with other black women, maybe even other black 
of course, definitely first like other black Muslim women and just have different conversations about like what she, what she hopes like her legacy can be and how we can get other black Muslim women into these positions of power. I think that's important. I just, I don't think the progress stops with one person or a first person. Like how do we make sure we create a pipeline and a system that this can keep happening and her win can't just be this huge surprise or fluke. Like this is a definitive change in history. So I just think it starts with being like, we have to look after our own. Um, again, like the Power Rangers should have, should have assembled. Like I don't think any of these women should have moved forward with this live without asking on AOC's part, where are the Latinx girl gamers? I didn't Google them, AOC's, that's, that's your team. So. And then Ilhan asking, where are the black girl gamers? And I just feel like there were so many missed opportunities. So let's talk about it. So Myth and Moist, as part of this username, I don't make these up, had two spots. They were replaced by Ilhan's 17-year-old daughter. I thought that was sweet, but I felt like a black woman who's paid to game, whose income comes from gaming, would have been better. Like, let's give black women money. Let's not just give them like a spot on a TV show or, or like a podcast segment. Let's make sure they get like money, like monetary opportunities. Let's open doors for them. And I really felt like AOC and Ilham are kind of like, and I mentioned this earlier, kind of operating like underdogs in this. Like, I'm just so glad to be here instead of being like, this is my opportunity. Like the ball's in my court. They really want to play a video game with me. Let me make sure that I get people like, let me make sure like, hey, like, have you, where are the girls that look like me? Can you find some? Can I talk to them? Like, are you registered to vote? What is your voting plan? Like, now the ball's in my court. Now I am not yelling at white men. Now I am not talking to white correspondents. Like, I'm in charge and what do I want to do with the power I have? And I think that I would hope like, as a black woman, I hope with a platform I have, with the privilege I have, I am creating opportunities. I am creating monetary opportunities, yeah, financial opportunities for other black women that look like me or, you know, other black women that don't have less privilege. Like we have to start creating space and creating room for other women. So I felt like Isra's appearance was nice. I felt she had did a great job in the third round. But I would have preferred that like a black woman that gets paid to do this got to do this. And then we got more white people or more white passing people. So then we got H Bomber guy, an English guy who lives in Wales, and then Corpse. Like I'm guessing he's another white man because he doesn't show his face. And I think his voice is ridiculous. Like people don't talk like that. I'm sorry. I just, until like I see him in person and hear like the sound that's coming out of his body, I just can't, I can't like buy into it. It's just taking me out every time he talks. I'm just like, what's going on? Like I just, it was just very confusing, but we'll, we'll move on. And then here comes the question. Do you think POC solidarity exists? Because AOC Stephanie anointing really took me out. Like she's supposed to be like, I'm really woke. I'm part of the Green Deal. And I was just like, that white bread energy was just not looking good. Like y'all may think I'm kidding, but if I hear in history how AOC tried Ilhan with some bill, I'm just going to be like, back to this. It starts here. 
That's just what I'm saying. Yes, I just have a feeling they're both going to be in Congress for a long time. So in 10 years, if we hear something, if they become the new DCLE and something goes down, like, let's see, it started at this Twitch stream. It's cute. And you'll see that I said it. But if POC Solidarity does exist, I felt like the POC Solidarity Award would go to Maya. I felt that Maya trusted Ilhan and AOC. It was very funny seeing her get killed by both of them. I have the link to that in the description. And I love that my favorite part was when Maya told Ilhan to mute herself during gameplay so no one would hear her and suspect her. She wouldn't get an emergency meeting. Of course, we're not blaming her. That was an AOC problem. But I... I loved that. I loved taking time out of your day to just help someone. And the way she said it was just so tactful too. It was, it was just nice. Now to something else I don't like. AOC something for corpse. This was funny in phrase. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the comment section about this. Just that phrase. I just love what the internet comes up with. Correction, what black people on the internet come up with. But it's cringy in practice. Google's telling me he's 23, she's 31. People, let's do better. And now what I do like, I used Google and found four black girl gamers with active channels. So I saw Rabbit doing games, Mika Berry, Tiana Mercedes. I love that she uses black woman characters, but some look darker than her. And then again, it's not like we have a lot of choices with the skin tones. And then we have Glitch City who does video game remixes. I really enjoy, there's this Sonic game that was on YouTube and they had like older sonic music like from like a show in the 70s things like that i thought that was so cool so i've always really enjoyed video game music like even from kingdom heart final fantasy days so i'm really looking forward to diving deeper in her channel so i have all of their instagrams in the description so that you can check out their twitch their youtube whatever they have going on and now to things that are a little bit more joyful i just feel like my heartbeat's going so fast because I got so mad. Okay, so on this segment is called Hear Me, Hear Me, where I talk about the things I've enjoyed listening to or watching this week. I really loved Corinne Hawthorne and Anja Wall's discussion about dating. I'll link them in the description. I felt it was so refreshing talking to hearing people under 30 and that are single, black women who are single and under 30 talk about dating. I feel like they are not represented enough or you always see the person that's like, I'm happy being single and I'm just waiting for the one. And you don't really see people that are like really out here, not like out here, that are out here, that are meeting people, going on dates with people, having relationships and learning about stuff. I think a lot of times we might use Christianese to justify our fear of failure. Like if I date this person, this has to be my husband or if I befriend this person this has to be my best friend or if I serve in this ministry I have to end up being the leader like we always define success as like the best thing or the thing that we want the most instead of just enjoying the experience and saying like what can I learn from this how is this person going to add to my life instead of just being the end goal but like the process of that experience what do I want this date to look like what do I want this relationship to look like what do I expect from this person and so I really enjoyed just that conversation of just being able to have time for yourself to know what you want before heading out there and having realistic expectations as well. And then I love the root 
Um, I enjoy reading their articles. They provided an in-depth definition of aunties. I think every time they address things to Caucasian people, it's just odd to me. I don't really know white people that are reading The Root. It just feels like The Root should be aimed for a black audience. And we're always like, and, it's, and when it talks about white people, it's usually complaining about them. So like, why are we addressing white people? I just, I find that very annoying. When black content just feels this need to just like hope that white people are reading, like if it's really biased for us, let it just be for us. Like leave them alone. They don't know what an auntie is, they'll live. That's just, that's just my thing. And now for the verses, which I've linked in the description so you can watch that as well. Let's start with in the beginning. There was an Instagram post that I saw on Lovey Ajayi's page that was just like Auntie Cello, which is what I, where I got that description from. I'm not as creative as her. So I just wanted to give credit where credit's due. And I'm so excited about her book. Like she's a Nigerian like me. She's Yoruba. And she's like debating, like, should I use accents? I'm team accents throughout. Like, let's get this right. And I'm learning Yoruba right now. So it'd be nice to like be able to read those terms and like learn how to pronounce it correctly. But that's just my preference. Hold on. Kind of stop my timer. This is going to be a long episode. Feel that in my spirit. That enemies of progress went very long. I maybe I don't apologize. I like long podcast episodes. Let me know if you don't. I feel like a lot of these upcoming ones are going to be long because I just have a lot to say. It's the end of the year. It's kind of just dump all the bad out. But 2020 has been a lot, so it's just kind of like dump and just get prepared for 2021. Like I know it's just November, but I just feel like. December is not going to be enough. That like week after Christmas, we're like, let's think about, let's reflect on the past year. No, I need to start reflecting right now. But back to the verses. So Auntie Chella was announced. I didn't hear about it until, because I wasn't following the verses channel then on Instagram, I was following Lovey and Lovey had posted this. So found that out. And then I went to Twitter to find, you know, the news and what people were saying. And I felt like the Patty fans were the loudest. Or I just feel like Patty's just a better social media star. She is more of a social media presence. And I was really interested in the idea of Patty, someone that's not on social media, being like a really good social media character. And here's why. I love her flair for the dramatic. I watched her and Gladys pay homage to like other artists that are there, that were like their contemporaries. I really love that about them. I'll talk about that why later, that they're always willing to celebrate other people. But I really enjoy how every time Hattie LaBelle enters on stage, she's always the last one. And she always comes on stage with this incredibly high note. And she just like sings that high note. She gets to the front of the stage and just like lets the audience just ooh and ah, and just like let that adoration kind of wash over her. She's like, I'm here with this note that's way higher than that. I think middle C is her lowest note, to be honest. To be honest, but I think that's hilarious. Or maybe just endearing. Like every time, it's just like every single time. And I watched a bunch of them and I was just like, it's Patty, like it works. It does, it really hyped me up. And then I really enjoyed during the verses when she kicked off her shoes over the rainbow, I was surprised. That was the, probably the most surprised I was during the verses. And then to hear Patty say she does at every concert, I'm like, I have to go to one of your concerts. It's incredible. It's funny. And it's just like, 
amazing. I wonder if she's like hit someone in the face and it's like a stand like okay with that. Is that what you want when you sit in the front row? Like I'm like a K-pop stand, so I don't really know how standing like I guess I get standing because like I think near the end of high school was a big time rush in One Direction were a big thing. I was a directioner for like a week. I don't think I was to the point where like if they only because it's like a man's shoe, like you don't want like a man's shoe hitting in you in the face. Like I feel like a Louis Vuitton shoe was a much different experience than like a sweaty tennis shoe. But just let me know, like, is it like something that you would want to happen? Like if you're like a Patty Stan, let me know. And I love that. And I love that she, she knows herself so well enough. It's not even, she might not even kick her shoes for just over the rainbow. There might be more shoes flying. So she has extra shoes on stage with her. She has like this entire vanity wardrobe thing at the side. She brought it to the verses. I thought that was so just incredible. Like I've never seen a prepared queen like that. So I, I really enjoyed Patty's presence during this verses, even though I was not rooting for her at first. And I love that she has these iconic relationships. I think that's part of being a social media celebrity, especially on the influencer YouTube side. It's all about that collab. It's all about that that relationship. Maybe that iconic beef. Like she has, um, Patty has this friendship with Gladys Knight and Dionne Warwick. But she also had beef with Aretha Franklin, Rest in Power, which was iconic as well. And then she has this legendary line. There's always these quotes that you associate with your faves. So she has this line, where are my background singers? I've linked that video to the description. Everything with Patty, I've there just hasn't been a miss. I've always enjoyed seeing her. She just has this joyful energy to her. Like even in that moment, it was giving me Mariah Carey New Year's at New Year's performance, but like the happy ending, like her music set worked out. The background singers did come. She came out early. That's what the comments were telling me. And the background singers eventually came out. So that was a lot better. I, I just wonder like, what do you think about Mariah Carey's New Year's performance? Was she getting play? Like, are they were they setting her up for failure? Has she been set up for failure before? I saw that. Hmm. Who was it? I think it was her genius interview where she talked about it actually being like it was like that it was a planned thing on the Carson Daly show, but like Carson kind of like didn't recognize it was coming. Was it called the Carson Daly show? He was on MTV at the time. And she came out and like it was supposed to be like a fun surprise. And he kind of made it seem like she was crazy when she wasn't. She was just kind of doing what she was told to do as like part of the surprise or like part of like the the act for the audience. And like he was kind of hyping things up and his narration kind of shaped the situation. So is it is that kind of like what was happening with that New Year's Eve? Like she just wasn't set up for success and then the media's narration of the situation of just like I can't believe this black woman isn't prepared like how dare she even though she's like Mariah Carey like most number ones like big one of the biggest stars in the world a living legend like it's fine like she doesn't have to remember the lyrics to every single song like did that kind of shape how she was perceived I always feel like Mariah Carey like people are waiting for some kind of comeuppance like it's not okay for her to know that she has some one of the most iconic voices like I think they want her to be like Whitney I feel like Whitney was just really humble about it like 
when people compare Christina to her, she was very embracing of that. And Mariah Carey's like, I'm still alive. I'm still alive, or at my own music. I'm part of shaping my own look and sound, especially with the Honey era and beyond. I don't understand how you're comparing someone that's different from me. I just, like, there's only one Mariah Carey. I don't, and she's still here. Like, I don't get it. Like, and I think that's perfectly understandable. There's always this feeling of like, she should be more humble. She should like love Ariana. And like, she doesn't have to do that. Like, and Ariana like, is, wasn't making music so like Mariah Carey would love her. Like she's making music because she wants to make music. So just let the two people exist in separate universes. Like it's okay. So I just feel like people like want her to be someone she's not or want her to feel like grateful or um, like she doesn't, yeah, just some kind of like false humility or gratitude to people when like she's been giving us a gift. Like her voice has been a gift this whole time. So like, why can't we just accept it and just be like, she's given us so much. She's a living legend. If she needs lyrics, let her have lyrics and we can sing along with her. Like, I just don't, I just don't really understand that. Especially with this live where like, everyone was so ready to like defend Gladys and Patty and say like, give them the lyrics. Like they don't have to remember. Like, why does Mariah Carey have to remember songs from 20 years ago? Like, I just don't. The whole point is to watch her perform. If her performance is enhanced by having lyrics, let her have some lyrics. I just, so there's always this feeling of like, and I think especially with like black female celebrities or women celebrities, especially that like there's some kind of, they need to be put in their place. And I don't like that. But I, I was really glad that, this is a long tangent. I was really glad that Patty's situation ended a lot happier. And lastly, she Patty is a multi-hyphenate. And I, I'm sure Mariah is too. She like writes her own songs, directed some of her music videos. So but back to Patty. She's a multi-hyphenate. She has her own frozen food line, including the famous Patty Pie. And now to Gladys. Gladys is, I feel like Gladys is a star that does her job very, very well, then goes home. Like she's not into the whole Hollywood thing. Like she wants to live her own life separately. I feel like Patty does. But she still likes being in the mix. She likes like reinventing herself and introducing herself to a new audience, whether it's to a Hallmark movie or with Patty Pies or as like a guest star. Like she was on Black Girl Sketch Show, which I still need to watch the whole thing going to next year. But like she's always like reinventing herself and always bringing like a new side of herself to an audience. So I really enjoy that. But Gladys is definitely the one like I'm going to stick to the music, do the music very well and go home. And I think the person that best, at least for me in the modern age, let me know if there's someone in R&B that does it, but Carrie Underwood was like the equivalent that I was thinking of. Like people always call Carrie. Carrie does a good job understatement. Carrie does a great job. She's an incredible singer. And then she goes home. And I enjoy that about her. Like you don't need to take up space in an area that you're not strong in, in my opinion. But I think artists should have the right to try things and try new like be creative in different areas if they want to but if they don't want to like just just do what you enjoy doing and you know live the rest of your life like I I enjoy that I enjoy those artists that know like this is a job I love but it is a job and I have a life beyond that and I think that both Carrie Underwood and Gladys Knight show that so from what Twitter was telling me I feel like a lot of people were 
there for Patty, excited for Patty, and that made Gladys appear to be an underdog to me. And musically, I was most familiar with Gladys Knight because she had that song, I'd heard part of her song, Midnight Train in Georgia. So I was team Gladys. I was really surprised by, I, I don't know why, I was so surprised by how much I enjoyed this versus it has such a different vibe from Brandy, to Brandy, and, Monica, Brandy and Monica's. I feel like Brandy and Monica's was more just like hang out with friends, with like a friend and like listen to their music, hear some, hear some stories, just see them like two women in the same area, same like stage, similar stage of life, just exchanging notes about being a performer, being a musician, and talking about the history of some of their songs. But that was just a very like chill with me and listen to my music vibe. Whereas this was like a concert, but it also just felt like a really healing moment that I think we all needed. It really felt like everyone was just kind of being, like our hearts were wounded and it was just kind of being like stitched back together. I just don't know how to describe it. Just like, hmm. you know how when you walk out in, during a cold day and it's like windy and it's cold and you just feel that like hint of sun? That's what this verses felt to me. Just like a hint of sun that just kind of thaws everything away. And just like for those five minutes, you're just like, that's what it felt like. But it was three hours of that. And it just felt so good. It just felt so warm and comforting the whole time, but also just so professional. And I really loved that balance. I also learned how to be a friend for over 50 years. I was very impressed by their friendship. Again, just a different vibe from the other verses. Just these women were just here to just kind of show love to each other and encourage each other. And not even like a, because you know there are those circumstances that you see some stars on where it's just like, let's get through this unfamiliar environment together. They were just so on top of everything and just like, let's just hang out. Let's just celebrate each other and bring on the best performance for the fans. So I loved that. But I really enjoyed learning more about their relationship as friends and just really seeing how to be a good friend. You have to know how you show up in the community first so that you can be open to giving love and receiving love as well. So first step is self-knowledge. And this is me, maybe this is me being too like introspective in things over things or like trying to like learn a lesson from everything. I'm really in the space of like, what can I learn from this? But I was, I just felt like I took something from even the outfits they wore. I'm trying to live my life of, or ask myself more often, like, how would I live? How would I show up in the world if I was free of cultural norms, societal norms, things my family told me, things friends told me, things friends told me, how would I define myself for myself? And I think one area of expression, especially for women, is clothes. It just, it shows how we feel, how we uh, might think of ourselves like just like it shows like our best areas shows our like hides our problem areas just how we're feeling or like if I want to feel bold and confident I might wear something bright or if I want to feel you know attractive I might wear something tighter like I just feel like clothes are just a really great way that women express how they are or who they are and so I just felt like with these clothes I was surprised by how they just chose to express themselves. I wouldn't have expected that. I expected there was there would be like a switch in place. So Gladys Knight wore this glittery purple suit. It is not gold, it is purple. Let's not have like that dress situation. It is purple. 
And then Patty wore this kind of form-fitting navy blue outfit. Now, from what I was getting, like, I felt like Patty was kind of like the glittery, sparkly friend and like Gladys would have chosen the more practical navy blue suit. But when you are free of what other people think and just say like, what do I want to wear to this event? How do I feel I can express myself in this event? Like you can choose the clothes that are right for you. You don't have to be, de be defined by like, oh, am I overdressed? Am I underdressed? Will this be too loud and I shouldn't be loud because people have tell me I'm quiet. It was just food for thought for me. So we'll move on. And secondly is to know your lane, like know the services that you provide and that will lead to self-knowledge. I've heard my whole life, you can't give what you don't have. So if you're watching the video on YouTube, you will see that I just kind of abruptly stopped. I needed a water break and didn't know how to just be like, I need a water break. I'm still very awkward, so please forgive me. But as I was saying, I've learned my whole life, you can't give what you don't have. So a part of self-knowledge is knowing your own lane, knowing the services that you provide. And I wanted to start with Gladys Knight because I was very impressed with her vocal performance throughout the verses. I think for black singers especially, there's this expectation that you have to sing a certain way, you have to hit all the high notes, you have to do all these vocal gymnastics, and we don't really give room to the people that just want to like sing the song as it is and don't you know need all like the bells and whistles or don't use all the or don't like employ all the bells and whistles vocally throughout the song and yeah as i said before just don't have that real don't don't feel the need to reach for the stars and find the note or find the whistle tone or whatever so i was really impressed with gladys knight she's a contralto and her performance just kind of defeated that idea that if that you don't need to sing high and you don't need to be like super fancy to have a powerful performance or a really passionate performance. Um, her, her vocal performances, her songs, I really like Toni Braxton's songs as well. And when I was, I'm mentioning Mariah Carey again, because a couple weeks ago, I just did like a big deep dive on her album when I heard that her book was coming out on her like albums and some interviews and I was really surprised that she actually has like a lower tone she's so noticed for like her whistle notes he actually like starts the song at a pretty kind of like alto contralto range I didn't notice that before but I've always loved Tony Braxton and I was really pleasantly surprised when I heard Gladys Knight sing as well. And she, and even with those like lower tones, she still has this incredible range and she sounded great throughout the entire verse. So I was really surprised that she was saying like, everything's out of my range, I'm out of breath. But then again, you know, we're not the vocalist of the hours actually singing like a bunch of your songs at once. And you know, it's been quarantined. Like it's not like she's, you know, performing in touring every day. So, just that alone just made her vocal performance so impressive. Like the fact that she was so perfect and excellent, even though she may not have been singing for a while with quarantine and not touring was really impressive to me. And I love that she sang every song as it was originally performed. A word wasn't missed, a note wasn't missed. She didn't give you bells and whistles and vocal gymnastics, but it was still like nothing less. Like you were never disappointed with a vocal performance. She just really came through every single time. And I love that she sang every song in its entirety and delivered. I didn't realize that 
it was definitely different from Brandy and Monica's verses because I think they stuck to that 90 second rule. And that, I think that's why Gladys and Patty's verses was so long because they were singing every single song like all the way through. But they sang, but Gladys especially sang every song in its entirety and just completely blew me away. It just felt like, like she's eating her CDs. I hear that a lot in K-pop and I think that applies to Gladys so well. And I love her tone. She just has this rich tone. And Brandy shared on Instagram, I believe, that um, she said your tone heals. And that's a really good way to describe it. It's just like warm butter. It just kind of like melts through everything and just like has this way of like softening your spirit. Like I just, like your heart, like it's just, it's just warm and rich and just decadent and just, it's just perfect. And I really felt like um, a performance that summarized her tone, summarized what she can do as an artist was her performance of Bridge Over Water at Aretha Franklin's funeral. So I put that in description so you can check it out. Just the way that she's able to talk to the crowd and minister to everybody and then just heal us with her voice was really beautiful to see. And here. And I love the power that she has too. You always think like, especially like with Black artists, you're waiting for that high note to just like explode or like even when I watch Glee, like Amber Riley would always have that huge note, like you're waiting for the big high note, but even like with those lower notes that Gladys is singing, there's just so much power in her performance. And I also love the passion in her performances as well. She's an emotional singer. And I think these days you don't hear people with like emotion in their voice whose vocal performances is really a performance and not just being technically right, but being emotionally present and just being so passionate, you can really tell that she's believing everything she's singing. When she doesn't want somebody to go, she's you can believe it. When she's excited and joyful and hopeful, you can hear it. Like her voice, like she's really performing. She's really telling a story. You can really hear how she's feeling in every moment when she's singing. And I just really admire that because I think that's something that's not being done very often. And you can just tell that she's someone that's in love with her craft. And I think Patty says it later in the verses that both of them are in love with what they do. And I really heard that in Gladys's performance throughout the night. Here are my favorite performances from Gladys. I'm gonna say the word performance a lot, so I don't drink, but if you do, maybe you can make a game out of it or just enjoy it. I'm sorry, but here's my favorite moments from Gladys during the night. I love neither one of us the most. I was kind of scared. I was watching it live. And so when they when she started singing Neither One of Us, it just felt like a good goodbye song. I was just like, is the verses over? I was really enjoying it. And it was just, and you could just tell in the comments, we're all just like, we don't want this moment to end. This is so healing. This is such a nice escape. This is just a nice moment of just a community coming together. So we don't want this moment, moment to end. And it was already two hours and even though they're older, like it was just still like, this is a really long time to be on Instagram live or live on Twitter. So we were all just like, is this, is this ending? Like I don't want it to end. But fortunately there were plenty of other songs after that. But I really loved that performance. I love the song in general now. Definitely my favorite song that I heard during the night. And I loved when she stood up and I just felt when she said, woo, as I was just like, I was there with her. Like she just took me on an emotional roller coaster with that song, especially. 
I loved Midnight Train to Georgia. I really appreciate if they let her sing that song again because it cut us out during the verses. Like if you were watching, I'm sure you remember it like cut us out. Like everyone had to leave the verses and then come back for some reason, technical difficulties. I loved um, Lala Milan's um, comment. I'm not sure if this was on Instagram or Twitter, but she said now he's leaving in an Uber. I thought it was funny. And I loved Love Overboard. I love that she stood up again and gave us some choreo. That was so cute. I loved that moment where the pips are like, Gladys, Gladys. And she's like, who calling me? I hope that's at every concert. I want to go to one of her concerts as well. And I hope that she does that at every single show. I really enjoyed this performance. You can tell that she loves singing the song. She was just like, S-O-S-O-S and giving us like some church stomp energy. I, I was there with her. I love the joy that she was having singing this song and you can tell you could tell throughout the verses like the songs they really love to sing and that's like that's what made me want to go to one of their concerts not just to see the vocal excellence but see them just have fun on stage I think that's just I really hope that once quarantine and all this is over that I can do that so and I really loved the song, especially because it was kind of a newer hit. I felt that Patty had the advantage because her songs had like an 80s, 90s sound, whereas Gladys' songs just sound a little bit older. And so I felt like Patty had the advantage, especially for like maybe younger viewers having a sound that's more familiar, more um, modern. But I just felt with Love Overboard, it was just it was just a fresh sound for Gladys from what we were hearing before. So it was just a nice change of pace. And my honorable mention is Imagination. She was really feeling the song, so I thought she was gonna stand up again, but she did not. I think that's what really would have take, taken it to like a top three contender, but it was still a really nice. Um, I really loved the way she sang that song. And I love that Gladys is also a triple threat. She's a singer, she's a songwriter, and she's a producer. I don't hear of a lot of like singers these days having producer credits. You hear of singers like, writing their own songs, but I don't hear a lot of producer credits. So I thought that was really interesting being a part of that um, kind of musical like composition side of the song. And I love that she started young. I'm really surprised that nobody mentioned that like she kind of beat out Monica. Like maybe because maybe Monica was singing before 12, but like the album came out at 12. I'm not sure when Gladys's first album came, but she like started in the industry when she was four. So I thought that was really interesting and I'm surprised nobody like commented or like made a joke about that, but I thought that was really, and it's really incredible that her mother supported what she wanted to do from such a young age. I really love hearing stories like that. And I loved Patti LaBelle. I talk, talked about enjoying her presence throughout this verse. So she just had so much positive, fun energy. She's really giving me a fun friend vibe. I'm sure it's just so much fun to like hang out with her, pick her brain. I just, I just like, she just radiates happiness and joy to me. But on the, I feel like she kind of gives what I would think is that um, what most people expect from Black Singer, she's giving you the high notes, she's giving you the drama with the vocal runs. Like I think like, yeah, lots, lots and lots of vocal runs, high notes, lots of moments throughout her singing for sure. And I was, so I was really surprised when she was talking about like kind of feeling insecure about that and kind of um, really appreciating Gladys for telling her like the way you sing is okay. I get very suspicious of people that don't like singers who over sing. 
I don't know what that is. A lot of this um, suspicion, this I think it's hate gets turned on Christina Aguilera a lot and I just don't get it. Like if you could sing like that, wouldn't you? I don't, I don't understand it. Like if you're really concerned about like the person's vocal health and like you're a vocalist and so like that's your concern, that's one thing, but most of y'all can't sing and then you're worried about somebody for like over singing. If you wanna listen to a boring singer, go find one. Like there's plenty of people, but this is a once in a lifetime talent. So when I hear Christina Aguilera sing the song or when I hear Whitney sing the song or when I hear Mariah sing the song or when I hear Patty or Gladys sing the song, I want them to bring the fullness of their vocal style. And so if the fullness of Patty's vocal style is a high note, and the song is six minutes long because she's still going, like, I got time. Like, I just don't, I don't really get that. And so I enjoyed all of Patty's performances there. Again, wasn't a miss. I love what Patty brings to the table. I, I just appreciated Gladys's especially because her vocal style is a lot more similar to mine. I'm an alto, but I love Patty, Patty's performances as well. My favorite was the flying to Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I did enjoy her singing as well, but it was just the shoes off and her flying that really took me away. And as I said before, she does this at all of her shows. She and her shoes fly, which is nice. I loved when she was kind of primping herself while, Pat, while Gladys was singing. When she held her mirror, I loved the fact that she brought a golden mirror because she has a flip phone. She adjusted her wig, she sprayed perfume, she changed shoes, all while Gladys was singing. It was like, I love what Gladys is doing, but like I have to, like, who has this kind of confidence to just be so comfortable and just be like, I just, I gotta prepare for my next performance. And I mean, I got my vanity, I got my mirror, like, let's do this. I would just be too, like, too nervous, too uncomfortable. But I love that they totally owned that room. Like, this is my concert. This is my stage. I'm hanging out with my friend and I'm just going to do what I want to do. I really loved that like casual confidence. And I think these days we misinterpret confidence as needing to like set your territory or need to kind of um, be real and authentic for like insulting someone or having to, having to, having to be really confrontational unnecessarily or having to always like be a part of a fight or cause a fight or have a misunderstanding when someone's to be confident. Like there's always this like dash of insecurity that's involved. Like I have to like set my space and I have to announce my standards and I have to do this and do that. But they just kind of say, it was just a very different type of confidence that I think comes with knowing yourself, knowing yourself and not having to announce yourself to other people. Like those people will always misunderstand me. Those people will always say I oversing or I'm too much or I'm too flashy. I'm just going to be all I am. You can say what you want, but I'm not going to change because I have peace within myself. And I really loved that about both of them. I also loved Patty's um, performance of Somebody Loves You Baby. I love that she was singing so high while sitting down. By the end of the vocal run, she, she forgot her words and I thought that was so funny. And that's, real, that's when you know that you are singing instead of singing. I remember that episode of The Parkers, which I enjoyed very much. I love The Parkers. I love that more people are talking about that show 
And I really hope that we have more shows like the Parkers that can respect their leads because if you watch the Parkers, I rewatched and it was, it was rough. Like you wouldn't know that Monique and Countess were the leads of that show by the way they were treating both of those women. But in spite of that, they are both so funny and so talented and so entertaining. And I remember why I would like rush home from school to turn on that show because they just, it's again, not radiating. They just radiate so much positivity and they just continue to give throughout all of those seasons. And it was, I'm, it was just like an honor to be able to have a show like that on TV. But we'll move on before I get too emotional. But my favorite song from Patty is definitely The Right Kind of Lover. I love the phrase, he's got the stuff. It was just like an old phrase to me. And if you watch the music video, you can tell that Patty really loves this song. She was just having so much fun in that music video. And I don't even know what the concept is. It's like The Bachelorette meets Next meets, I don't even know, like some other problematic MTV show. Like it's just so fun. And I would not have picked some of the guys that she chose and I would not have dumped some of the guys she dumped, but the whole point is finding the right kind of lover for you. So I, I was really, I really enjoyed kind of seeing like what my, what I'm looking for throughout the music video. And when you know yourself, then you can do the next step of being a good friend, which is having humility enough to share the spotlight with others. I loved how supportive they were of each other throughout the verses in the beginning. Gladys shouts out Patty's frozen food line, but as friends do, there was a little bit of back and forth. Gladys is like, I know you have this frozen food line, but I can still make a better banana pudding. I thought that was a really cute back and forth. I love that um, Patty gave Gladys a standing ovation after one of her performances and Gladys would like hype up Patty throughout one of her songs. I forgot which one that was, but that was a really cute moment as well. And again, I loved when Patty talked about Gladys kind of saying like the way you sing is fine and saying like, look, I know myself as an artist. I want you to know yourself as an artist and just stand in that. So I loved that as well. And I love how they both like, since they know themselves, they know the area, they know what gives them joy, what brings them peace. They have lives outside of the music industry. They don't have to keep it with technology. I really admire that because during quarantine, you realize that I've always had this thought that a lot of celebrities don't need to be on Twitter, especially they don't seem to understand how like stan culture or internet culture works. They don't seem to understand that like the fans have their own jokes, their own community, and like that really has nothing. It's like a totally separate thing from you. Like there's this culture and community beyond you and like you don't need to always be in the joke. You don't need to always need to be the center of attention. You always don't need to respond to everything that happens on Twitter, especially when it shows that like, oh, so you chose to respond to this, but you don't respond to that. Interesting. So I just feel like a lot of celebrities don't need to be on Twitter. They don't get it. Like there's Facebook, there's Instagram. Go there, be at peace. So it was nice to hear of celebrities just being like, no, like Gladys says, there's nothing wrong with what happened yesterday. Kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I appreciate that. Like they know what works for them. They know that like when they're, they're talented. So when they're needed, they will be called and they will answer. You know, I just 
really appreciated that because I feel like there's so many celebrities these days. There's almost this, like the accessibility to celebrities can be cool, but it can also get old really fast. Like I operate on a need to know basis and I feel like with celebrities, it's the same way. Like there's only so much I need to know about you. And I feel like the constant present, like what you choose to share on Instagram, what you choose to share on Twitter, it's just getting too much. Like I get a lot of us ideally should be at home, but we live different lives, but you're a celebrity. So I would hope that there's more to do. I, I hope there's a life that you could have online and you don't always need like feedback from me. Or when you put your life online, sometimes you will get feedback from me and that's what happens when you put your life out there online. So you need to, you need to pick and choose which one it's gonna be. But moving on, I love that both of their sons told them about the verses, like they had no idea what verses was. It just, it's just amazing. They just decided to just gift us with their presence and talent. Like they weren't just like, I hope like, I, you know, like maybe someone will ask me to do a versus or there's a lot of celebrities just being like, I don't want to do a versus because no one can compete with me or I don't want to do a versus with her, but they were just asked like, oh, like versus, that's cool. Who am I going to do it with? My best friend? Of course. Like they don't need to like, it's just nice that they were just living their lives and just decided to stop by. And we'll, we will remember it and be grateful for it forever. So moving on, they share music. I love that they not only do covers of other people's songs, but they might do covers of the same song and they can exchange notes. I really appreciate when Patty said, you look at me as a working woman. They both look at this as a job they're good at, a job they love. And because they love their job, because they're good at their jobs, they want to continue to grow so they can... They say like, oh, I love the way you sang that song. Or I loved that cover you did. And they can know like, I'm not threatened by somebody else covering a different song because back to what I said before, somebody else is not going to sing a song the way I did. And even if they do, even if they might try to imitate me, I mean, that's my style. That's how I do it. Like, we're all, it's always going to be different. It's never going to be exactly the same, whether it's an emotional feel, there's always going to be something different because you are two different vocalists and it's our job. It's our job to learn and grow as artists. And I feel like there's so many people like campaigning, especially as black women, there's always this need to be, and it's through society, through this patriarchal society that pits us against each other. Like you have to be number one or you'll be replaced. And we have to remember that that is a system that has nothing to do with us. It's based on a system that does not want any of us to win. Like is being the number one singer in this kind of, in this industry really a prize? I mean, if you have no other black woman around you that can share your struggles, if you have no other black woman around you that can support you, I mean, that not only has that only holds so much value, but I love that they have chosen to not be in competition with each other. They can give each other pointers. They can learn from younger singers. There are younger singers that might be talented in a different way or cover that song in a different way. And I love that they could shout out those younger singers. I appreciated Patti LaBelle talking about Jennifer Hudson's performance at John Lewis's funeral and talking about her and Shantae Moore and saying like, hey, you guys have different types of skills 
I am a singer constantly learning and growing my own skills, so I wanna learn from you. I think it takes an immense amount of humility, especially as both of them are living legends, to, to be able to say, I don't know, but I'm willing to learn at that stage in their career. So I really admired that. And I love the fact that they also pass the mic to other people, whether it's to maybe, again, younger singers or singers that are with them during their tour. And I think it just shows that they recognize their privilege and not only recognize it, but are willing to do something about it. And in this day and age where we're always talking about privilege and always talking about unpacking it and showing, you know, how it can show up in different ways. There's lots of efforts to recognize privilege and talk about privilege, but I feel like those discussions end there. We recognize privilege or the whole thing is, does privilege exist? What is it? And we're just like revisiting the same topic over and over again. But what are once you know you have privilege, what are you doing about it? Once you're aware of it, what are you doing to undo it? Are you respecting your, your privilege so you're staying home and not traveling during a pandemic? Are you respecting your privilege and knowing you have access to healthcare so I'm not going to go to a poorer country where people have less access to healthcare? I'm just gonna stay here. What can I do? Like, so I'm restricted in this way. How can I be creative in how I communicate with others? How can I be creative in how I make money? How can I be creative in how I reach out to fans? How can I do something original, do something different and use this opportunity to elevate my brand, to create jobs that aren't there? Instead of trying to do the same thing as I did before, but know that this time I can make somebody else sick. Like. What am I doing about the privilege I have? And so I love that they understand that there are other people that are that might be just as talented, but lack those opportunities and they are using their platform to create those opportunities. So I really enjoyed that discussion. And I really love how they're just class acts. Like they have made so many hits over the last, you know, 30 some odd years and they remember who wrote and produced all of their songs. I just think that's a class act. That is incredible to me, especially when we live in, like I'm someone whose memory probably could be better. I remember back in the day, you know, we memorize people's phone numbers, we memorize people's birthdays, and now it's like everything's in your phone. So a lot of us may not be using that memorization part of our brains as much as we should. So just so to be able to remember like who wrote your song in the 70s, like I just feel like that's a major accomplishment and just taking the time to shout out that person and thank that person and just share a memory of that person is just such a sweet thing to do. So they are both amazing. And about privilege, I love that they own their role as role models. They, say they know that they're a role model and they don't see it as a burden. And I think that a lot of people these days like see being a role model as a burden because they want the benefit of community. They want the followers. They want the opportunities. They want the money, especially of being in community, of creating a fandom, but they don't want that responsibility of being accountable to their fans, of being, of having integrity with their fans, of being vulnerable with their fans. They want to be able to have people that are tracking their lives, but they don't want to like hear people's opinion about it, but you shared it. So, you know, and then when people talk, when people, you know, say like, okay, is your personal life a worthy investment? 
I'm bowing out, they say, you know, you don't have a life or go get a life or you're poor. When it's like, I'm the reason you became rich in the first place. My interest in your life, my following you on Instagram, my buying your merchandise, that's what put you in this place in the first in, in this space in the first place. So I should have the right to question, should you continue to hold this power? And so I love that they see a BC being a role model as a very high standard, which can be challenging, but they also say it's worth it because people have been role models for them. And I think that we have to remember that even if you don't want to be a role model, you are. There are people watching you anyway. So make sure that people are that people are seeing something good. And I think it's easier to fall back than to build yourself back up. And we talk about, you know, saving early. We talk about making those harder decisions in every other space of our lives, whether it's in finance, saving now so you can spend later, whether it's building a brand, building now so you can you know, enjoy the fruits of your content being uploaded consistently later. So why don't we apply this to life? Why don't we say, I'm going to make those difficult decisions now. I'm not going to be where I don't need to be. I am going to keep be a person of my word. I am going to do things on time. I am going to do things with excellence so that later in my life, I can have trust. I can have excellence. I can have community in that way of people trusting me, people believing in me, people leaning on me, and I can have um, positive relationships later in life. And even if it's not for you, do it for those who are taking the time to watch you. Do that for the people that are giving you that opportunity of community, giving you that platform, giving you that friendship, giving you that trust. Do that for them. So I don't understand people that don't like being, well, I understand it because again, it's wanting it's wanting the return without paying the price. But I definitely agree with Michelle Obama's when she said that she doesn't like it when people say like, I'm not a role model because one, is it isn't true. And two, it's, it's forfeiting responsibility. And it, that's disappointing. And I love their um, discussion about their kids when they said like giving kids room to have their own identity. And that's why step one, you've got to know yourself. Because I think when you know yourself, you don't have to live your life through your children. Your kids can say like, oh, my parents have other things to do besides being my parent. I really admired seeing my parents pursue their own careers and seeing them, you know, pivot, you know, get that master's degree or get that training at their job and saying like, oh, like my life is beyond my children. Like, sure, there's that legacy of there's a whole, you know, family tree thing. But at the end of the day, I live with me and what do I want my life to look like and what are the things that I want to accomplish in my life? I think it's important for everyone to have that, to give to show kids that that is possible and kind of free them of that responsibility of like, I don't want to disappoint you or I don't want to live up to you. Like you're not living up to me. You're not living for me. Everyone's kind of on their own separate path. And if we're going to walk through this life together, we have to allow each other to grow on our own and explore the world on our own. So I really love those celebrities. I'm always, I always love that like Kerry Washington's kids are, are alive and we know nothing about them. I think that's great because it just gives those kids an opportunity to be themselves, to be whoever they want to be, to make mistakes, to, you know, 
learn about life without feeling that need of um, answering to a bunch of strangers, you know? So I really love it that she's kind of removed that pressure from them by giving them that privacy. So, and just giving kids like the option of just saying, you can be whatever you want to be. You can grow up to whoever you're going to be without outside of the public eye. And I think that that's just kind of, it humanizes your kids. Your kids are not your property. Your kids are not your trophy. Your kids are not the epitome of all of your hopes and dreams and failures. Like you have your own failures and they will have theirs. Kids are little people. I love Grey's Anatomy and I love every time Dr. Arizona mentions that because it's so true. Kids have their own personality. So why don't we start fostering their dreams? Why don't we start asking what do you want to be when you grow up and not feel like you have to like go towards this one thing. I mean, you can grow, you can change. Like life is going to have a bunch of twists and turns. You may not do that job that's that matches your major, but you might also find something better. But also saying like, you can start thinking of what you want to do now. You can start doing what you love to do now. You can go to that science camp now. You can read more about history now. Your interests are valid. Your dreams are valid. And what can I do to help you grow those interests now? Instead of just thinking that like what you grow, what you want to be when you grow up is some kind of cute joke. Because at the end of the day, all these kids you're talking to are going to be adults. And I hate that we set up kids for failure by not treating them kind of like little adults, little people that can make their own decisions and pursue their own interests at any stage of life, especially when they're children and, you know, any kind of failures or any kind of missteps will have less of a consequence than when you're 18 and saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I don't know because... I haven't had the chance to think about it, but now I'm supposed to be on my own. So, and I think the last step is once you admit your responsibility, once you accept that cost of admission into community and say, I'm going to present myself into the world with accountability and integrity, then you can vent, then you can reap the fruits of community, which is positivity, enjoying the company and the journey. I, my favorite part, of this whole verses is when they did that virtual front row part. I love how they cut up together. It's so cute. But first, I want to talk about the chair dancing in the beginning. I was disappointed that I didn't see the amount of gifs I was expecting. I had seen a few comments like, oh, this will make a good gif. And then I didn't see very many. But I did enjoy watching it when it first happened. And I love that Gladys could laugh at herself. She's like, I know I have a lot of songs with the word train in them. But if I go anywhere, it's in a train or a bus. So I thought the comment about it later in the live was just like so unfunny and unnecessary because she knows. And as Holly Pete said, Holly Robinson Pete said, Gladys is the goat of the train song. We love her train song. She's good at them. Let, let her do what she knows how to do. I mean, she knows, like she knows how to do it so well. Let her do it. And now to the best part, the virtual front row. So I love how they came up with like random meals for the guests like with some kind of cookout. That was fun. I loved the virtual hug. That was so funny. And you could tell that they like felt dumb doing it. <laughs> like the moment they did it, they were just like, what am I doing? And I really love how Michelle Obama has not missed a versus. 
And throughout this quarantine, it's been really interesting to see what Black celebrities do, what Black people in power do when it doesn't pay them. Like when do they think that, when do they find community with the rest of us? When they're selling a book, when they're in a movie, or when it doesn't pay them, when they don't need anything from us, when they're not trying to sell something to us, do they actually take the time to hang out with us, to um, celebrate with us, to mourn with us? Where are they when it doesn't pay them? So it's been nice to see Flotus make her presence known in every verses. I love how Gladys is so no-nonsense. I, I would want to sit down with Gladys Knight too if I had the honor. She's just so, she's so funny in that way. Patty said that she dedicated You Are My Friend to her friend Gladys and Gladys is just like, thank you. Like, of course you did. We're best friends. I just imagine her saying the same thing to like a man who says like, I love you Gladys, like I love you so much. He just like pours his heart out to her and she's just like, thank you. Like, of course you're in love with me. I mean, I'm Gladys Knight. I just think that's funny. And I loved the end when they left the verses. I felt like that summarized their dynamic very well. Gladys just looked at Patty and made fun of her while Patty was like, I'm gonna remove these shoes, they're uncomfortable. Like, of course, Patty had these flashy shoes because, you know, she's I bet she's someone that's like fashion over comfort, but we all have those moments where it was just so funny to see Patty just be like, I can't, I can't walk off with these. And Gladys is just like, you should have worn different shoes. Like you have a trunk full of shoes. These are the ones you picked. So that was fun. And I love that they basically grew up together. They started young, they have kids the same age. So hearing them talk about how they've supported each other throughout the stages of life was very sweet. And I love those moments where they chose to sing together, Brandy and Monica. It's fine. I love that Gladys was Patty's backup singer sometimes in Love, Need, and Want You. And Stir It Up was a song where Gladys was hyping up Patty in the beginning. That was funny. And in Lady Marmalade, I loved um, when they sang that song together too. And I want to talk about Patty's um, recognizing her privilege and standing up for marginalized communities. I love how she shouted out the queer community and in during queer community like earlier in the live and then during Lady Marmalade she just like she didn't shame sex workers and I think that's what we need to do. We need to destigmatize sex work so that we can make sure that the sex workers, the people with the least privilege in that situation, have the protections they need and aren't in vulnerable situations. Make sure you know these sex workers aren't being forced to be there. Human trafficking is a thing, but there are people that are voluntarily doing that for a living. So make sure like that can be a very vulnerable situation. And usually in most situations where there's money and emotions and sex, you know, the boundaries aren't clear. So I think we need the boundaries to be clear so that we're not punishing people that are potential victims, which is what a lot of the criminal justice system does. But that's a different that's a different conversation. I loved Patty's harmonizing as well in I Don't Want to Do Wrong. If you don't know me by now, I loved when they sang together. I loved this performance. It's another honorable mention for Gladys as well. You know when someone's so excellent that it brings like a violent reaction? I'm going to talk about it in um, Erica Badu in Jill Scott's live, Eric Badu mentions that like the best thing you can give another artist, that an artist can give to another artist is like a frown like that because like you're so into their music. I 
I do that all the time. So I really related to Patty when she said that Gladys's cover of End of the Road made her want to slap her. I thought that was so funny, but it's really relatable. Like they're selling, it's just so good. You're just like, really, really, really? We're being this talented right now. We're really being this talented right now. And so I loved that, that, I loved that conversation as well. Now here are some things I didn't like. It seems that at IT has like a love-hate relationship with these ladies. So first they had some agenda against them. So Midnight Train was cut off the first time. Fortunately, Gladys sang it the second time. And then in our world, Patty didn't have the lyrics. So she just straight up forgot the words, but like kept singing something was kind of reminiscent of um, Where Are My Background Singers. But Patty's less direct than Gladys. So we got great quotes put my song on the teleprompter. And so this is, someone was like, is this gonna be the new Where Are My Background Singers? That was funny. And during ABC, when Patty was singing again, the sound was getting shaky and we're just like, what's going on? And then there were some jokes that the sound people or whoever's doing the tech might, you know, not be shining a light for the Lord's glory. So that was definitely interesting. But I did feel that Patty got preferential treatment um, anyway, even though she had technical difficulties for two of her songs, she got three mega mixes, which were definitely over 90 seconds, over like the three or two minutes that every song was. She just got to sing for long periods of time. And I felt that um, I would, felt like that was unfair because it's supposed to be a back and forth. Everyone should get one song per round. I did like the idea of a mega mix. If they had stuck to that 90 second rule for each artist, it would have been nice to see like, how can I mix songs together or do a mashup of songs in 90 seconds? That would have been cool, but she just straight up got to sing for like five plus minutes at a time. So mega mix one was on my own. We deserve to hear the story, but I will buy the book once Patty releases it. I'm surprised that Mariah's book isn't getting talked about as much as it is, maybe because we're in the midst of a pandemic, like two pandemics, you know, like she's not getting that like media because like there's other things going on. But I hope that at some point she gets like the Demi Moore dream where she gets to like to have that sit down interview and talk about everything for like an hour plus or maybe like do an Instagram live with someone. I really want her to get that treatment of like, we are excited, we want to hear your story, like let's talk about it. I have heard on different podcasts, people do like episodes dedicated to it, but I haven't heard that much from like people invite Mariah herself to talk about the book. But apparently it's very good. She sings, she talks about every song because she writes all her songs. I, I love that and I really hope and I'm thinking about buying the book. I think I want to like watch her interview to just see like, do I need to get the book or do I just need to like watch her interview? And I also, I'm that person that like will buy a bunch of books and not read them. So that's where I am. I will do a series about books that I've read once I read them. So I'm debating like whether I should buy and read the book or not. But I think she deserves dummy treatment either way. And then the second song that Patty did was New Attitude, which is a really fun one on Real Mention. The second mega mix was New Day, Feels Like Another One, which I also enjoyed. ABC from Sesame Street. When I first heard it, I was like, really? But then I was like, this is a bop. And then lastly, Lady Marmalade. And then the third mix, mega mix was You Are My Friend and If Only You Knew. That second mega mix, I was just like, she's still singing. 
no, really, like this is the third song. It was, it was ridiculous to me. But so with that mega mix in mind, I was like, Gladys wins versus one. She's, she's the one that sang all her songs all the way through. And she didn't get the opportunity to share as many songs as Patty did, which I felt was unfair. But the true winner of verses is Dionne Warwick, who is the queen of the finesse. So she gets a lot of applause and she looks great. She has this white power suit. She has this blonde crown of glory. She's 80 years young. I thought the adding the numbers together was a little weird. Dion was not having Gladys be 12 years old, which was funny. And then she kind of, she was in the Jessica Jung School of Performance for me. She does everything very well, but she also doesn't do as much. She didn't sing very much, but also did she have to? When Gladys put down her own singing, she's like, this song is 30 years old. Does she? No, we were just glad to see her and she did a great job. And then she left quickly. I think she's even more no-nonsense than Miss Gladys. Like, did she even want to leave the house? I think she just thought, like, this is fun. And then when she got there, she's like, wait, I had to sing two songs? This is not what I bargained for. I just thought I could, I could stop by and talk, but okay. I love when she said, can I go back and change and put my jeans on? And then all these comments are like, put on a mask, Miss Dion. Although it was very funny. But at the end of the day, like, she technically gets the same billing. It was a versus with Patty. Gladys and Dion. I mean, she never actually has to do a versus again because she technically already did one. And for that, she wins. I think she did a great job. She wins the whole thing for me. Um, and before I go into my favorite tweets, I wanted to go back to Miss Gladys. I love that she has this just this just this very direct way of talking to people. And she gave two lectures during she's that person that like, I feel like she's a person that like has a soapbox ready in tow, like kind of like a Claire Huxtable kind of thing. Like just kind of like step to the side and like let her go. So she did that twice. I found it very endearing and I feel like I'm kind of like that. So it felt very familiar. So the first lecture was to the police. I loved this quote of, you have no right to create life as he does and you have no reason to take it away from him. I mean, I couldn't say it better myself. And then the second lecture was to the people on set. Again, this was a very different vibe from the other verses that I've seen so far. They really wanted it to be a concert, a Gladys Knight and Patti LaBelle concert. I think that's how they understood verses. It was a lot more formal than other, um, other verses that I've, other moments from verses that I've heard about or seen so far. And for that, when they heard people laughing on set, I was, I didn't have a problem with it. Like when I heard Brandy and Monica's verses, you always heard those people in the background and they would like have conversations with their team throughout. I thought that was really fun. But this time they were just like, we're, we're talking. We're trying to sing for people and like y'all are distracting us. So I felt it was just them trying to be professional. Um, the room kind of described it as like grown folks talking right now, like kind of like a the kids are making noise while the adults are trying, it's like the adults time to cut up. I didn't really see it as like a familial kind of thing. I think it was more of like a professional thing, but I love that that moment has so many interpretations. Like this verses was just, it was something different for everyone. And I think that's what makes it even more interesting. And now to my favorite tweets, because I saw this I saw this live on Instagram, but then when I watched it again on YouTube, because I didn't finish the whole thing. 
on Instagram. So I watched the first two hours live and then I saw, no, I saw the last hour live on Instagram. And then I saw the, then I saw it's in it in its entirety on YouTube. And I think somebody like reposted it when it was live on Twitter. So here are my favorite tweets. So somebody described it as eavesdropping on church banter, which I thought was accurate. You know, when you like are just in the world, whether it's at church and you're about to leave or you're, this happens to me a lot in an airport. Like when I'm on like the terminal bus, like going from one gate to another and you just like hear this great conversation. You're just like, I don't want to leave. Like, I mean, I'm standing here because I have to stand here because this bus is moving, but it's like a really good conversation. Like y'all are really funny. Like, I want to know, I want to know what happened next. And then like the bus opens and they like leave and keep walking and you're just like, I don't need to be weird. It's over, I guess. Okay. Bye, new friends that aren't my friends. I think that happens to me a lot. So I felt like this was very accurate. Like you're just watching these two incredible women have a great conversation. And I thought that was so sweet. And I love how, unfortunately, I didn't get who tweeted that. So that is my mistake, but it's not any original thought of mine. But I love how Bob the drag queen ended up tweeting, Patty didn't think the teleprompter person and she did it. You could tell like during the live, especially in that moment, like she's very indirect. She was just like, you know, we, we've been singing for the last 50 years. Like I don't have to know every single one of my songs, like, but I didn't have my lyrics. Where are my lyrics? Like you could tell she was not happy about that. So of course she didn't think the teleprompter person. So I thought that was very apt and very funny. And that is my review of that versus. I really enjoyed it. I, I would definitely watch it again. Like, I think if I'm in the right mood, it might be added to like my, the world is falling apart list. Hopefully I will. I watch certain things when I am unsure of what is going on in my own life. I watch Legally Blonde, Confessions of a Shopaholic, I listened to, well, I watched the first two seasons of The West Wing, and I watched both Princess Diaries. That's part of my, I am an adult, and I feel lost, and I don't know what to do list, so I would definitely add this versus to, like, comfort food. I should just probably, a comfort food list, especially this is the holidays. I'm trying to get to the things that are familiar and warm, and I think this versus would be, like, a really good rewatch, so I really, I really enjoyed it. And that's all I have for this week, and I will see you next week. I will come back when I have something else to say. Just remember that you are wonderfully and beautifully made. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Black Girl Talks Pop. Black is spelled B-L-K. That's B-L-K, Girl Talks Pop. And you can follow me on Spotify at my Spotify playlist. And all of my links are in the link tree in the description below. I will see you next week. I appreciate you. Bye.